Be honest. Wouldn't you like to play more golf this year? As the State Golf Association for Massachusetts, Mass Golf is ready to help, and they want you to become a member. By joining, you'll automatically get a handicap index from the USGA, access to play exclusive private clubs through Mass Golf events, and a bundle of additional benefits. Best of all, it costs just $55 to join. Visit massgolf.org and make today a golf day. Welcome to the sidelines. This is Matt Dolliff. I'm back once again with Ty Anderson, Sports Hub Digital Team, 98.5, the Sports Hub, that is. Ty, are you feeling okay? You sound like you're under the weather. Yeah, I'm all right. I got a slight throat COVID. tickle here. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It's that now I, it's the worst part about this whole thing is that every time I feel slightly under the weather, I'm like, oh, no, this is the end. I start apologizing to everyone I've ever wronged. This is the end. Yeah, you get, get your affairs in order, bucko. Yeah, delete your the Your diet isn't helping. No, 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 it never <laughs> helps. It's gotten better, though. The fact that restaurants aren't open and the fact that I don't feel really I – don't, I, don't, I don't love going to restaurants. I went to one for, like, the first time since this whole thing happened a couple weeks ago. Got to say, did not like it. Did not like it at all. Made me feel like I was uh, being a dick. Call your mom like, hi, I'm in CVS. Are hot tamales and a monster energy drink good for a sore throat? I don't know. This doesn't like, seem yeah. Right. Like, yeah, what was, right. Why Why'd the restaurant make you feel bad? I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel like anyone is actually adhering to anything that makes any damn sense. You know, none of us wearing masks. You know, the, the server is. That's great for them. But but what about everyone else who isn't wearing one? And um I don't know. It just, it just felt awkward and weird. Like, I, I felt like I was being selfish. I'm like, I should just order takeout and just eat it at home. Um, it just, yeah, it was just, it was just an odd experience. I don't know. It, it was unnerving, I guess, is the best way to describe it. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would think so. So you ate indoors is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I, was, visiting my, uh, I was visiting my dad, and my dad lives in downtown Salem, and, and there's that uh, uh, burrito place we like, Howling Wolf, and uh, – so we went there and, and and there's no patio set up. No, there was, but it was like 40 degrees that night. And it, 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 nah. it was right. It was right on the water. Um, or it's right close to the water in Salem. So we're like, now nah, let's, let's eat inside. So you'd rather catch COVID than be a little chilly is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I just, I wasn't prepared for, uh, for the cold that night. Oh, yeah. Boy. I, I, I just wasn't, uh, oh, boy. I don't know. It feels weird. I would go get tested. Honestly. Yeah, I'm probably fine. I, I, bet, I, just, I mean, probably. I just, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, you're off to a good start here. It's ridiculous. Yes, good vibe. It's a good yeah. vibe we got going here. I'm going to get COVID through the, the computer speakers. Can't wait. <laughs> well, I tested twice. I tested negative both times, and I, flew, I literally flew across the country and back. Mm-hmm. So, and we went to restaurants. I mean, we ate outside in Seattle, but we, we went to restaurants. We went places. You know, I'm not too terribly worried about it. I think as long as you're wearing your mask and doing your best to social distance, there's like almost nothing to worry about. I would say. Yeah, that's that's what I'm I'm hoping and that's what I'm assuming because I, like I said, I feel totally fine. Besides a little scratching scratchy throat, maybe I've been talking too much. Maybe that's a sign from above saying shut up for once in your life. <laughs> you talking to your dad too much? Like, who are you talking to? No, I I I. Uh... I don't know, just in general. I don't know. I, I, you, You're you, talking to those Star Wars posters behind you? I might be. I might be. Vader, don't look at me like that. <laughs> Playing Madden, having an absolute meltdown. No big Folks, deal. Folks, he's lost it. 
Oh, that happened in April. I've been, I've been, I've been crazy. I will have been crazy for 20, 28 years, but I think I've officially gone crazy about mm. May or June, I would say. Mm. Yes, quite indeed. Yeah. Things are getting crazy. Yeah. How are Riot, you though? Riots are coming back up. It's like, I'm just, all right. Now it might be time to delete Twitter again. People are getting angry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, no. And that's, that, that's, that's another thing. Uh, that, that's, uh, I, I just, I think that the best thing you can do for the next week is just don't go on any sort of thing unless you absolutely have to. And I'm saying like any sort of forum, any sort of uh, online thing, even group chats. I'm like, I'm sort of opting out of group chats right now because the conversations are getting uh, a little too heated for my liking. Listen, I know I live in hell. I don't need constant reminders that I, that I'm living in hell. Yeah, it was, <laughs> you had a, you had a tweet. Um, I'm trying to remember what exactly the, the chain of events, but you tweeted what fresh hell awaits us now. And then oh. literally something hellacious happened later that day. I forget what it was. Do you remember? Yeah. So that was, uh, I was watching uh, wheel of fortune and I was, I was real excited about the wheel uh, because I, I've hit that point in my life. We're uh, excited about wheels folks. Lo- yeah. Good wheel talk going on. So I was watching wheel of fortune. And I'm, you know, I'm solving puzzles. I'm buying vowels. I'm having a great time. And, and then, then all they Oh, sorry. They, you have no, they no inter- money. They interrupt it and they go, the FBI has a breaking news report. And I was like, all right, if they're interrupting the wheel, something something big is going on. So that's why I was like, what fresh hell awaits us now? I was, and, and it was to see, it was the election uh, hacking from uh, uh, Iran and, and, and uh, Russia. And I was just like, all right, well, not sure what they interrupted the wheel for this, but that's okay. Uh, so, so that was, I was just waiting for like the worst thing to be happening. Like, there's so many things that are happening that were just like falling by the wayside because there's so much other horrible stuff going on. And it's like, yeah. it's truly wild that they were, they, you know, I think Winovich talked about this. They found aliens this year and everyone's like, yeah, you know, that's yeah, whatever there's aliens. But uh, how about this instead? It's just like every day there's something, some, some insane new report. We're just like, oh, well. Yeah. I Look, Tuesday. I don't, I'm not like a big conspiracy guy, but some conspiracies turn out to be true. So it's like, you can't, can't just dismiss everything that comes out and i sort of feel like uh my my conspiracy theory about conspiracy theories is that the fbi they they let guys like alex jones just rant about everything because he sounds so insane because some of the shit he's saying is so insane that like you you don't believe anything so then but then he'll he'll slip in little nuggets of truth but then you, you just have a hard time believing any of it like Alex oh. Jones was talking about Epstein like years ago before anybody else even like knew who he was. So I saw that he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, oh God. Was it, yeah. Was that yesterday, two days ago? Uh, yesterday he was on with him and uh, Tim Dillon, who's one of the funniest comedians in the world. But I mean, he's my kind of comedian because he's absolutely insane mm-hmm. as well. And uh, he dabbles in conspiracies, but he's, he's, you know, he tries to do it in a funny way. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's not like Alex. I got, I got the documents. The documents are here. Look this up. You know. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I don't, I don't really. Might be too much. Might be too much having those guys. <laughs> That's yeah. that had to be a big screw you to anyone who's throwing a tantrum at Spotify over over Rogan. Like there were reports that people at Spotify were trying to get his podcast censored and all that. It's like, yeah. guys, you can just just listen to something else. What? Why are you? Why are you that's losing your mind over a couple shithead comedians? That's the point yeah. I've hit with with everything. It's just like you know what if 
if it brings me no joy and I don't like it, I'm just going to do something else. And, and I think that's, I wish more people would take that approach uh, versus trying to get someone's life ruined or their livelihood taken away or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I don't like, I don't like Alex Jones, but, but that's a separate issue. You know what I mean? Like that's not, you know, who am I, who am I to say, Oh, well, he doesn't deserve to make money. I don't think that he should be given say, you know, top dollar platforms to spew some of the stuff that I think is obviously like what you said, you know, so over the top, it's just let him through. No, just let him talk. I'm, I don't, I'm not in favor of anyone getting censored. I think yeah, Alex yeah. Jones is a lunatic. He says a lot of things that it's just like, you know, that's just, there's no way anything, any of what he's saying is remotely true, but it's like, just, just let's listen for yourself and decide that he's crazy. Yeah. I think it's not a, a good precedent to set to like try to block people from seeing it or, censoring stuff because it's like what if, well what if someone who's not on your side is suddenly in charge and now he's starting to censor stuff that you agree with yeah we've talked it's about not, this not a good precedent we've talked about this before i think it's just like everyone y'all everyone wants to be part of the mob until the mob comes for them and then it's too much so yeah. my take on it is just it, it my take on it and, and this is just the 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 nihilistic everything's bad person i mean like, whatever i just I, I can't, can't, there's so much going on in my own life that I can't care about what celebrities and what people are saying because it just doesn't affect me. It just, it just can't affect me. Yeah. I think you tweet, you also tweeted something over the weekend, like just go eat an orange or something like that. Oh, I was like, yeah. well, that's random, but uh, pretty good advice. I'd say. Yeah. Eat an orange, drink some water. Yeah. Get some, get, get a healthy amount some, of sleep. Yeah. Get some vitamin C. Yeah. Sleep. Just, we're, we're meditate that if you bed. can do some yoga. Go for we, are, a walk. we are on a freight train of depression hitting us. It's coming. It's just between the seasonal depression, the COVID depression, the election coming up, uh, you know, all these other horrible things happen. California's on fire again, by the way, in case you missed that. And it's just like, stop arguing with people who do not pay you or do not do, not do anything to provide you happiness in life. Just live your life. Just do it. Exactly. And it's just, there's just too many people out there just devoting energy to entities and celebrities and people that just do not play a factor in their day-to-day life just 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 everyone just eat an orange please god right. killing me it's funny like yeah it, you know it's it, I, i've said this before but it's not it's not exactly like a thing that hasn't been said before but it's like you know you could probably you could just turn the twitter off and the and the problems will go away even if you Absolutely. say something controversial or someone doesn't like your article you literally just literally just don't look at, at people screaming into the void on Twitter, and it's just it doesn't exist in your life. It, no, it only it only affects you if you choose to let it do that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and it, it's just like it's it, I've become a lot better at simply muting and moving on because why am I going to give why am I going to lend you know the platform that I've earned to some lunatic? Why am I going to do that? I'm just not gonna. So, so let's not do it, you know? And I think more people need right. to take that approach. I need to take that approach more, obviously. Um, but, but I think that's something I'm just seeing too many people just getting sucked in by, by entities and, 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 and honestly just hobgoblins of social media that are only there to like upset you. It's like, why are you doing this? Just walk away, leave it alone. Yeah. Why are you flying by my window and throwing a, a pipe bomb in my window? That's shaped like a jack-o'-lantern. This is very strange. I think yeah. we all need to calm down. Exactly, exactly. So I'm, I'm, take, I'm taking that approach. And then the Patriots game happened. How was that, by oh, the way? Oh, my God. That was not fun. Not fun. I've, I've been bummed out uh, the last few days because I am – I mean, I'm still a, a fan. 
at heart. Mm -hmm. And I try my best to, you know, like offer like an objective take on the whole situation. And my objective take is it's not good. Not good right now. They're getting very the poor quarterback play, no matter who's on the field. And uh, I'm worried. I'm worried they might just suck now. I feel I feel like I've been duped by the whole Jared Siddham talk. Because I don't think he's very good at all. I, I, I don't see it. Very concerning that he's stepping on the field and he's not only not seizing the opportunity, but like he feels like he's going backwards. So I don't yeah. know what the hell's going on there. And, and all this offseason, it was, well, they're confident in him. And then you had his, his college coach saying why he could be good. And, 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 you know, listen, he's played, what, grand total of probably 25 minutes in the NFL. 25 of them have been completely meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, but it is frustrating, though, when you, you hear all the stuff about, the, about him in these off, this offseason, the offseason program. And he looks yeah. worse than he did in the preseason in 2019. It happens. It happens with everyone. They did it about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I mean Jimmy Garoppolo has turned out to be pretty good. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd still, I'm still confident that they could find the next quarterback because, like, Bill, Bill's hitting on a lot of quarterback. He hit on Garoppolo. I'd give him credit for Matt Castle, even though he was a late round pick. And I mean, he he drafted like Ryan Mallett, who who sucked. I give him credit for Jacoby Brissett, who's still in the league. And, you know, if Phillip Rivers gets hurt or he's, he just sucks so bad that the Colts probably wouldn't hesitate to put him back in there, I wouldn't mind if the Patriots got Jacoby Brissett back somehow. But, um, yeah. I bet, on what that, they have right now. But I think, like, I'm not, I'm not going to crap all over him for Cam Newton just yet. I mean, Cam Newton looks like he had a lobotomy out there. He looks like he's, he's completely off the reservation. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know that he's, that he's not taking the coach because this is what I was saying going into the year. It's like as long as he one stays healthy, which I'm not sure he's even healthy, and number two takes the coaching and, and absorbs everything. I'm not sure that he's like tuning out the coaches, which is like a popular take to have when, in a time like this when the team looks the way it does. But like he's not getting it. It feels like there are plays, and uh, I want to give Mark Daniels for the Providence Journal credit for this. He tweeted a play, a screenshot of a play from the game where. He's got three guys right in front of him, and he's not seeing it. He's just not seeing any of them. He's looking past them because I guess he wants to make the big play. And but like you got to get a drive starter going at that point. You got to do something to to you know get momentum. And he's just like looking completely past it, not seeing these three wide open guys. It's like I feel like I feel like Josh McDaniels did okay. I feel like the the offense is being coordinated fine, but the the quarterback isn't executing. Yeah, that's like I mean, my. This is all my. I said the Patriots were going to go eleven and five this year, and this was all contingent on Cam Newton being a representative NFL quarterback. And when you get in the worst quarterback play in the league, nobody's. I know people are going to say it looks bad for Belichick, but no, no coach can overcome quarterbacks playing this bad. And it's just I didn't think it would get this bad, but it's that's just crazy how bad Cam Newton's been. I don't know what the hell happened to him. Yeah, just the vision just seems off, right? There's so many throws that he makes where especially the last three, four weeks, I would include the Raiders game where he's making throws and you're going, what, what is the play there? What are you trying to do? It's just, Oh yeah. He had a terrible interception in that game too. He didn't even, he had a bad interception against the Seahawks even in that game where they did, he came back and almost won, but like, I don't know what the, the, the difference between the first couple of weeks and the last couple of weeks has just been, it's been stark. Oh, yeah. No, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been a gradual decline here from, Oh, this doesn't look good to, Oh my God, this might be unplayably bad at this point. And, and, yeah. and that's, and that goes to, that goes from Newton to Sidham to Hoyer. None of them have looked 
have looked any damn good at, at all. And this is, and this is what we're seeing now. I think with with just you need, if you don't have the talent, you need the smarts. You know, and I think that's maybe what we're realizing now with Brady last year. As for as frustrating as that was watching it, when you have a guy who's always aware of his options, who's always aware of, of you know, what the best option to to go to. Uh, in any situation, it makes a difference over the course of 60 minutes. And I, and I think that we're seeing the flip side of that right now. And you don't have the talent and you don't have the, the smarts under center. It is an absolute nightmare. That's the thing. But the, the thing is, guys are starting to get open now. So that's, that's the frustrating part is that he's missing guys. He's not seeing guys that are getting open. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if you had Brady in there, they, they might actually be a lot better on offense than they were last year. Because Brady's uh, because they're now they're actually getting open and Brady's gonna Brady's gonna see that and actually throw to guys that are getting open. Like Cam Newton's never been he's never been a pocket passer kind of guy like no. a guy who's gonna run the Brady offense. So I don't know. It feels like maybe they're trying to do that the last couple of weeks and they're sort of starting to realize that they can't. So I think Josh McDaniels was saying other uh, Jed Fish, other assistant coaches saying we're gonna get back to you know. Basics, we're going to try to emphasize Cam Newton's strength. So I guess we're probably going to see something closer to what we saw in the first couple of weeks with the heavy formations and Cam running the ball. And, like, I think you have to. I, I, I don't think you can have Cam just run the Brady offense where he's trying to, like, read the field and diagnose the deal. He's, he's way overthinking things out there. And it's just like – he. but the problem is he's, he admitted that he's pressing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the way the quarterback acts tends to – tends to filter out to the rest of the offense or the rest of the team. And if the quarterback's pressing and it's not, he's not feeling, he's, he's, he's sort of like his, uh, I don't know what the word is, but like this, is the, this was the concern with Cam Newton going into the season is what's going to happen when he faces some adversity. Because for lack of a better term, he's been a front runner in his career. He's been a guy where he's Superman and he's ripping his chest open and he's flying high when they're winning and he's playing well. When he doesn't play well, it's it's he's sort of on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, and it looks really really bad right now. It looked really good in the first couple of weeks. It looks really bad now. So we, it's it's been sort of a bipolar experience with with Cam Newton so far this season. So I mean, he really needs to. They really need to do something to just get some get his confidence back. I guess if he's not feeling confident, they have to get his confidence back. Because if you don't have a confident quarterback, you're screwed. How many times have we looked at teams around the league like Jacksonville or whatever and said, wow, if they had a, a, a competent quarterback, they'd be a good team. Like there's, this is a team where I think if, if they still had Brady who was fully engaged, or if they even had just had a good quarterback who could run the offense and, and just like throw to the open guy, they'd be, they look a lot better right now. They'd be probably over 500. So do, do you think that uh, that there's an injury issue going on? I know that's been sort of a not a theory per se, but but you look at Newton's struggles, right? His last healthy season, uh, he had a great start. I think they went six and two, and then he lost. I think it was six or seven starts in a row, and you find out the shoulder's injured and needs he needs surgery. Uh, do you think that there's any injury concern going on there? I know there's the, he has been throwing to the right. That that's an issue as well. So I'm curious what you think. I don't, I don't, I don't like to make that excuse because, like, you're the quarterback. You got to play through just about everything anyway. So I mean, maybe he's having shoulder issues again, which would be a major concern. I just don't want to. I just don't want to make that. I just don't want to make that into the, the the reason why he's not. His, but like his accuracy has been so unbelievably bad. I, I, it defies explanation. Like he yeah. threw a ball. He, he like basically spiked a ball at at Demir Bird's feet. 
on one play when he was open and like the interception, the first interception he threw was just mind bogglingly bad. And like he way over, I think he overthrew Edelman on that deep ball interception. I forget if it was an underthrow or overthrow, but it wasn't even close. And he's never been the most accurate guy, but it's been, it's been even worse than, than expected. And I don't know. My big, I, my bigger concern is that it's a mental thing and not, not a physical thing. Cause even when Tom, Tom Brady played through everything and like, and he was, he's the, one of the most, he's arguably the most mentally tough player in the history of the league. So he could overcome having like a bad shoulder or a bad knee or, you know, he's, he played through ankle sprains and, you know, the elbow injury he had that, the, the hand was sliced open. I think it was, was that 2017? And he absolutely lit it up in the playoffs. So it's like, yeah, that was you have the, to be able to, you have to be able to, over, yeah. Yeah, right. It was the Jaguars game, so it was 2017. Mm-hmm. And he completely lit it up. He, had, he lit it up in the Super Bowl that year. So it's like if you're the quarterback, you have to, if you're playing through something, you have to be able to overcome it. I don't want to use that as an excuse, but, I mean, wouldn't be surprised. I mean, maybe maybe he's going off the cliff, which would, which would be uh, unfortunate because it only took a few weeks for that to happen. And, right. Um, I mean, the conspiracy theory could be that COVID's affecting him somehow and, the, you know, lingering effects or something. But I don't know. Do you do you lose your mind when you have COVID? Like, if it's, to me, it's just it's the way he's seeing the field more. It, it The problem is the accuracy and the way he's seeing the field are both poor right now. But he could probably overcome a little bit of a lack of accuracy if he was seeing an open guy. And if he saw, like, Nikhil Harry wide open over the middle of the field – Nikhil Harry could catch a ball that's away from his body a little bit and not the most accurate pass. And they could sort of, you know, mask that. But if he's not seeing the field, then he's screwed. No, I'd agree with that. And and just the offense as a whole, uh, I'm still team by the deadline. I, I, I just, I think you, I think you have to, because I, I think the amount of pieces that you would trade uh, as a seller is not worth the return. I, I don't think you'd get anything more than a fifth round pick for Julian Edelman. Uh, if we if we are to believe the Gilmore rumors, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in depth here shortly, uh, you're not going to get a first round pick for him. That seems to be the the, the word. I mean, the McCordys, do they a do they want to be traded? B what could you get for them? It just feels like you you owe this offense a, a shot of adrenaline versus stripping it away because I just don't see the value in that, uh, given the uncertainty of a college football and b how this team drafts to begin with. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm not. I I choose to be patient with draft picks. I'm not going to act like this year's draft class sucks just because they haven't contributed much yet. It does, no, usually talking, takes time. I, I'm talking more trading down, and and, and it's like, yeah, yeah. If, if you get a second round pick, but you know it's not going to be a second round pick. They're going to trade into two thirds and a fifth. Yeah, like I'm not saying Bill's been a perfect drafter. He's been far from that. But like, yeah, my issue, my issue in the draft is can they can they keep can they like keep picking quarterbacks and not just like ignoring that position like I would have liked to they would have been they'd probably be in a lot better shape whether or not the kid could play it would at least feel a lot better if they if they went and drafted uh, you know a Jordan Love or uh, Jalen Hurts a guy from Oklahoma someone like that so they obviously weren't going to get Joe Burrow or Tua or Justin Herbert who all went really high but if they took one of those guys that I just mentioned or someone else who's a rookie quarterback it, it, they'd be in better shape because they'd at least have another option and who knows, maybe those guys could play. Maybe Jordan Love – I think feel like Jordan Love might be a good pick for the Packers because the way Aaron Rodgers is playing this year, he, he sucked last week, but 
the way Aaron Rodgers started this year, it's almost it's the same as Brady when they drafted Garoppolo because it, it, it makes you think that Jordan Love is a real threat to Rodgers at that position. So, like, they, they, they got to start taking some shots at, at that position. So, I mean, I hope they I hope they do it next year or else, like, what the hell are they doing? And maybe we'll all end up being wrong about Jared Stidham, but it does not look good right now. Jared Stidham's barely flashed anything so yeah, far. So, I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what they're going to do. And well, if we go back to that, that draft the Patriots were linked to love right that was something I remember that that was one of the they, reports they were they were doing they quote, did quote, meet with them like big it was like big dive or big research on love I remember that being one of the headlines um I, and I remember last year love's love stats weren't as dumb as great as they were the, the season prior maybe that spooked them a little bit um but obviously I mean this is not for me I just think they they need you know, Dalton Keene plays, and he, he gets on board. He gets on the board with the catch, which is great. Uh, they just need more off. They need more offensively. Demir Bird has has been their best target, and, and that's fine. But that's not exactly, I think, how they drew it up. Um, so I I would still try to acquire another wideout or an, or another tight end and and give this offense another jolt of life. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to my take after the the Forty Niners game, and this is this is different from they should sell at the deadline because I'm not necessarily saying that, but I feel like, I feel like the bills, uh, the control is slipping away from bill. It's slipping away from bill as far as controlling the locker room and, and everyone, because everyone's effort has not been good. And all the leaders of the team, David Andrews and Matthew Slater uh, agree said publicly, like the effort was not, is not good enough and we need to get our crap together. And I have a feeling that Devin McCourty, who I'm going to talk to later today, is going to say the same thing. It's like the effort's not there. And it's tough. It's, it's different not having Tom Brady around. And it's hard, it's hard to feel confident when your quarterback is playing as poorly as he is. So, I mean, that message sort of has to come from Cam Newton. But I don't know. Bill might have to make one of these surprise uh, trades where he, or cuts where he just moves on from someone who you weren't really expecting. And I know Stephon Gilmore at this point would be something that you're sort of expecting, but Gilmore hasn't been fully engaged based on all the reporting and the way he's looked on the field. He feels like he's, he's got one foot out the door now because he realized he's, he's the latest, uh, he's the latest uh, high end Patriots player to realize that he's not going to get that next contract here. He's going to have to get it somewhere else. And uh, Bill would rather trade him before he than than lose him for a compensatory pick. And you can, I think they should trade Gilmore because they can get more than a compensatory third round pick if they trade him now, which is probably not a first round pick, but maybe a second round pick. Or maybe I think, I think they should do that. Yeah. I think if they, I think it would be addition by subtraction at this point. Honestly, if they if they move Gilmore somewhere else and they elevate J.C. Jackson to a starting cornerback spot. He's He's been very good in, in all three seasons he's been here. I, I have complete confidence in J.C. Jackson play, being a starting corner for this team. And I feel like it, they might get better that way because Gilmore's not playing up to his usual standard, and I don't think he's totally into it. Uh, as far as Edelman, it might just be more of a physical thing just because he's 34. It's just the reality. That position, he might just be dropping off physically. and. I mean, Jacoby Myers goes in there on Sunday and he makes some catches. He, he looks like he's actually trying. <laughs> he's one of their only guys that actually tried and played well. And that's a guy that, like, needs to play well to, to, to earn more playing time. And I think they should just start playing him more. And I feel like if they just start playing him over Edelman more, they'd probably be better off. I just feel like Bill needs to start making these, like, drastic 
message sending kind of moves, I think, because it's sort of slipping away from him. And then the whole thing about tuning the coach out, I know it's a cliche, but it does happen. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't rule out that it would happen here. Yeah. And I, I with Gilmore, I, I do think that if you don't have a good read on him re-signing, I, I, I say this is a, this is a cop out and it's obvious, obvious, it's obvious, of course, but I think if they lose this game on Sunday, sell. Because now you're two and five, you're three behind the Bills in the loss column, and they're one and zero against you. Yeah, that's just that's, math. That's just math at that point. It's like what, what yeah, chances exactly. do you have? But if you win that game, and keep in mind you have expanded playoffs now this year, where seven teams get in instead of uh, in, in, instead of uh, instead of six, maybe you slide in, and maybe you make some noise. I, this is a yeah, weird. Even game. then, you got to go six and three, and you're, if you if they lose this weekend, they got to go six and three in their last nine games. Yes, I don't to, see to get that. to get to eight and eight. Yeah. I don't so see that happening. Like, yeah, so this this truly is sort of a do or die weekend for them, and I think this should uh, this should be what they do in terms of, of the market and and how they move it. Um, yeah, with, with Gilmore, with, with talking about the compensatory third, yeah, if you could get two thirds or a third and a fifth, yeah, that's that's more draft capital. That that they could get more than sense. that. They could get a second. I I don't think they can get a first round pick for a thirty year old cornerback, but. They could get a second. They should you, be able to. What I know, mean, this is, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what's a team that would make sense for you? Like what? Like what team do you think could really use a, a Stephon Gilmore on their defense? Because yeah, I, my spot, uh, my Seattle, idea, Seattle could use him. I would say I would say Seattle, but the other idea I have, and and I don't know if this is something that's just crazy to think about because of who they are and where they play. Why not send them back to Buffalo? Right, if Buffalo's in. You know, like that's something that if, if you can get them to give you a pick, the only problem is if he stays there, you know, on, on a deal. But then again, Revis went back to New York. They didn't care about that. I would so. say Bill might want to spite Gilmore. So maybe he sends him to the Falcons or the Jets, just send him to an absolute crap team. And be like, yeah, have fun with that. Hey, they're demanding money. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy, this, enjoy the garbage. I wouldn't. You're I, I playing in a dumpster now. <laughs> So. I'm trying to think, like who, like who would make the most sense? Like who's a who's a contender that would theoretically need help? I mean, yeah, Seattle. to your point, Seattle—they've allowed the most passing yards per game in the NFL. Yeah, uh, through the first you know half of the season, they've been a trade partner. You know, there's Cleveland. What about Cleveland? Would that make sense? I would, that would be hilarious. <laughs> he just does the Jamie Collins deal all over again. Yeah, he traded. What happened with Collins is he traded him for the compensatory third round pick that they were going to get anyway. So that was Bill just saying, "We're just getting rid of this guy." Yeah, that's why I feel like he needs to make a move like that. I feel like that he needs to send a message to the guys like, "This isn't good enough. This guy was out to lunch, and we're going to be better with with you guys because you're focused and you're engaged, and you're you're taking the coaching and you're not." They, and then these, then these other guys like like J.C. Jackson, they don't have they have no leverage. Like Gilmore is, Gilmore is going to get another contract most likely, like another like lucrative one, maybe not for more than like three or four years, but he's going to get another big deal as a two-time All-Pro Defense Player of the Year and all that. He just wasn't going to get it here. Yeah, and which is how well, it goes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's it's just how it goes. And I think honestly, Gilmore should be happy he even got that first contract because that was like one of the more surprising things that Bill ever did. No, they don't ever make moves like that. Yeah, and that's that's why I find it. I I mean, I I shouldn't because I, I understand the pride element of it. But when guys aren't surprised to get paid here, I'm always like, have you paid attention for the last? 
I don't know, 20 years and how this operation tends to roll. It's never personal. It's just, it's just how they operate, you know, it's just, and they've been able to skate by it because they've, they've had uh, fantastic yeah, players who've taken left. Yeah. Who've taken less, but, but now it's like that, that might be on a collision course here where, where they might, they may have to hit a point where they, they pay some of these guys or it's going to actually hurt their team. Let's take a quick 15 second break and we'll be right back. Be honest. Wouldn't you like to play more golf this year? As the State Golf Association for Massachusetts, Mass Golf is ready to help, and they want you to become a member. By joining, you'll automatically get a handicap index from the USGA, access to play exclusive private clubs through Mass Golf events, and a bundle of additional benefits. Best of all, it costs just $55 to join. Visit massgolf.org and make today a golf day. Yeah, I mean, just based on, I mean, you know, I've had conversations with, I mean, perhaps people that have played for Bill Belichick that uh, he might he might not have that kind of cachet anymore without Tom Brady because the quarterbacks are no longer covering up for the team's flaws and there's there's not that level of confidence that the quarterback will dig you out of whatever hole you might be in. And the quarterback might not necessarily be buying in the way Tom Brady always did. Now he has to rely on guys like Matt Slater, David Andrews, Devin McCourty to to spread his message. And is that are they going to listen to those guys like they would to Tom Brady? I just don't. I don't know. Right, that's a valid point. I mean, it's a it's it, it's it's not. Bill has been same. able to run the team the way he has in the like the last twenty years because he had Tom Brady. That's. I think that's fair to say at this point. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and, and uh, it, it's and, and now you're watching you're watching Brady, you know, with 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 an offense galore down in Tampa Bay that just added Antonio Brown, uh, and, and that's, that's that's bizarre odd. though. That's just bizarre. Isn't Having it? Having Tony mean, Robbins reach out to him, it's like it's just it's just getting weird the way he wants to like he wants to like reform, he wants to like reform Antonio Brown and like I don't know. Like, does yeah, he think he's Jesus? Like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just getting well, odd. And he also shared that thing about the, he shared that blatantly false information on his Instagram the other day. Tom Brady did, saying more people what have died. He, he said more people have died from suicide than COVID. And, and it's like, no, really? that's, that's not true. Yeah, and, he's a COVID truther. I didn't know that. Well, I, I know I, he, I know he, if, he had those practices. I don't know if he's becoming one or not, but he 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 shared a, a thing that said. Uh, it said more people have died from from suicide than from COVID. Uh, well, so is that not that's not true? I, I thought no, there were a last, lot of suicides. I mean, in the last six months, I can't, I can't see that being the case. That would because yeah, the suicide rate would have to be historically high. And well, I thought it was like a, I thought like millions of people every year. Yeah, but I don't. But I don't think that if you do it over the last six months. Uh, it got debunked, though. I am uh, absolutely talking out of my ass. One of the uh, independent. I'm saying suicide is a problem. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what his his new foray, you know, into into this this side of his personality is. But I will tell you this: I don't like it because I think Antonio Brown is a legit bad person, and he's exposed himself as a bad person on countless occasions, and it's frustrating for me as a Patriots fan that he was more willing to work with Antonio Brown after he's done all this, this shit than deal with Jacoby Myers being a rookie, a rookie wide receiver or as being a Wookiee as being a Wookiee, <laughs> a rookie wide receiver. Uh, then he was more willing to work with this, this 
absolute piece of garbage than the rookies, whose only fault was they were they were young. It's that that part is frustrating to me. That 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 is he's not willing to work with them. But Antonio Brown is cool. No, yeah, he he made them get Josh Gordon. He made them get Mohamed Sanu. He made them get Demarius Thomas. He's well, he's he's lost his patience for working with with younger receivers. Like minimum, you got to have minimum three years in the league. Like I don't know how long Chris Godwin has been in the NFL, but like. And I, I think it, it goes back to the coach too. He, he he was on his he did his Jim Gray interview and he was talking glowingly about Bruce Arians and how he's this brilliant offensive mind and all that, and he's really appreciative of all the the insight and the, the and the help that he's getting from from Bruce Arians. So, I mean, obviously Bill Belichick was just spitting in his face the last couple of years, apparently like the way he's been acting, and like he just wanted out. Of, he just wanted out from the whole Belichick experience, which. Which is too bad. Uh, it's too bad. It's too bad they couldn't figure it out for just a few more years. But um, I don't know. I'm not. I don't think the book's closed on either team, either. Because it's like three weeks ago we were talking about a Tom Brady couldn't count to four, and we were wondering like what where the Bucks were going to go from here. And when the Patriots had a couple of moral victories in Seattle and Kansas City, and they had a good game plan in Kansas City. It's just their quarterback completely crapped himself once he got into the red zone. But, like, between the 20s, the offense looked fine. They got into the red zone, and then just Brian Hoyer completely crapped the bed. And they brought in Stidham probably a little too late. He wasn't great either, but he at least threw a touchdown. And uh, I don't know. I, I think there's still a chance. I still believe in Bill and just still believe that he can regain control of the, the locker room and the whole operation. And I believe that Cam Newton can turn it around. I just think the way they've been trying to go about running the offense – it's clearly completely out of whack. Yeah, I, I just, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm in a rock and a hard place here, and, and I know the Patriots are as well because part of me wants this organizational reset where you're giving roles to these younger players. The other part of me says you've almost committed too much to a veteran group. Again, the McCordys, the Edelmans, the, the Newtons, um, that it almost seems like you can't at the same time, unless you, you make 10 trades between now and November 3rd, which is not likely. Um, so, so it is an odd time. And, and I do think that the, you know, the bills have been trying to piss away games, you know, and, and, and as, They've as frustrating as, lately. yeah, they, they lose to the Titans who didn't play for like a month. They lose to the chiefs. So obviously you almost expect that given how good the chiefs are. And then they, they tried losing to the Jets over the weekend. So it, it feels as if you're right there, you know, and if you can win some of these winnable games, the Denver game looming so large right now. But if you can win these games and if you can win on Sunday, I don't want to throw in the towel just yet. I don't want to do it. it. It's such a weird spot they find themselves in right now. It's just yeah, very, very concerning that there was no – that they went further in the in the opposite direction of where we were expecting – Everyone was going into that San Francisco game saying, oh, this is, it's the Patriots. They'll respond. This is usually a time where they rise up. Yeah, when they had number 12 here, that was a time they would rise up. Now it's, it's not looking the same with, with Cam Newton in there. I, I, I'm very concerned that Cam Newton's whole history of, of uh, sort of going in the tank and sort of spiraling when, when things start to go bad and like only looking good when things and like really riding high when things are going good. Like, I feel like that's sort of, uh, that's sort of like, you know, by osmosis <laughs> infecting the rest of the team, which is, uh, 
quite unfortunate. I think the fact that the, the resilience of the Patriots and the Tom Brady, that, 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 kid, that trickled down from Brady because you just, Brady would never give up. He would play 60 minutes and he would always, you would always have that confidence. He would get him back in the game. And different team, different team with, with, uh, you know, a completely different player, different personality and all that under center. So, I mean, I don't know. It might just be on, it might be on cam to turn it around, but he's, he's got to, he's got to play better in Buffalo or it's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, and, and you talk about the confidence boost. I mean, this is, this, this game is the season. It really is. I mean, it's the confidence boost. If he wins this game, you're going to say, wow, that, that's, that's a building block right there. If they lose, all right, it's over. Like, turn up the lights, party's over. Let's all go home. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. So this really is feast or famine right now for this team, it feels like. And, and I think that's exciting, but it's also nerve-wracking for, you know, the fans and us that want to watch meaningful football, want to talk about meaningful football. We haven't been in this situation since uh, since we were kids, basically, right? If they, yeah. if they lose this game, I mean, I wouldn't if des- they missed the playoffs, they were what eleven and five. I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I wouldn't describe it as a fun or like enjoyable, but it is. It's a little more compelling that now every week we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Because how many how how many years? How many? And there's people that are like you know teenagers who are who didn't know anything but Tom Brady and didn't know anything, but we're going to beat the crap out of every bad team. And if we lose, if we lose to a bad team, it would, it would happen like once every five years, it would be a completely shocking event. And we're going to win 12 games. We'll see in the AFC championship game. Obviously it's completely different now, but it's a little more, it's a little more compelling, uh, not knowing what's going to happen. And, and like, we're going to be on the edge of our seat uh, every week now, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. In a way, I don't know. I don't want to say it's more fun, but I well, think the uncertainty makes it a little more interesting. It's in line with what we've How many times about? were these games that weren't interesting because we just That's knew right. what was going to happen? We knew the Patriots. And yeah, it's fun to watch Tom Brady light it up all these years and wins all those games. But the game was rarely in the balance. You had to wait until the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl for the game to be in the balance. Now it feels like it's going to be in the balance every week. So I, yeah. th- I think you got to dig your heels in and just, and just grit your teeth and get ready for the, and just and get ready for the ride strap in. Because I think if you're one of these fans, that's like, you know, throwing a tantrum. It's like, they suck now. I will not watch. It's like, well, then you're, you're being a fair weather fan. If you're doing that mm-hmm. real fans are not going to jump ship to Tampa. Real fans are not going to turn turn off their TVs. Real fans are not going to turn their back on the team. You know, you're going to keep room for the team and hope that they turn it around. And just because they're not good right now, and just because they might be, there might be a period of time where they're not good and they're not competing for Super Bowls, doesn't mean the world's over. You know, I, I know, I know, I'm talking to a lot of young fans right now. I know you're not used to this, but this is what most teams in the NFL go through, and this is what we're in right now. And I still think there's a chance that because of Belichick and because of that veteran leadership that they can right the ship, as uh, David Andrews said earlier today on Zolak and Bertrand. I still think they can right the ship, but it's going to be way more of a challenge because uh, they just don't – they lack talent compared to last year and they don't have a quarterback that's exactly going to make up for, for the flaws as much as they used to. So, Step one, you uh, call the Miami Dolphins and you say, give us Fitzmagic, baby. You need that Fitzmagic <laughs> in New England now. He needs a complete tour of the AFC East. This is what needs to happen. That would be hilarious. It'd be great, right? Uh, no, I'm not saying actually do that. I'm just saying that 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 is an option. 
Um, yeah, I, I, this I mean, is it's gonna, looking like I would have rather taken him than Cam Newton. I know you go. You knew he was going to have that hot start. I mean, looking back on it, man, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of us jumped the gun after that Seattle game. And I would say arguably rightfully so, but, but it, it is, uh, it does look like looking back on it, it looks like that was a, uh, sort of a, the high maybe, you know, between Edelman's connection with him and how he looked, that may have been the high. Uh, I thought that was the start of something special and maybe it still can be, uh, if he gets his conditioning back, he gets his, his mind back as, as, as you talked about, um, but if, if not, I mean, we're, we're all going to look really stupid for that, and myself included, for, for believing in, in that one game. I think we all said that. But this is why I'm not writing, I'm not writing them off, and I'm not, I'm not penciling in the, the Bucks for a Super Bowl either. Bruce Arians is, is not, he's not the, uh, the sharpest uh, head coach. He's, he's, he's a fine he – can, he can scheme an offense, and they'll score points – but situational stuff and like just the clock management and like the, the head coach stuff, he's never been great at it. And so like what we assumed it because he, he has Tom Brady that they're going to win a bunch of games. But when it comes down to crunch time in a playoff game, is he going to make the right decisions? Is he going to manage the end of the game? Right. Are they going to be prepared? Are they going to be prepared defensively? Like I just, I, I'm not ruling out that the bucks sort of, you know, come a little bit back to earth after going into the stratosphere the last couple of weeks. And I'm not rolling out the Patriots are going to turn around. They've had slow starts like this before, obviously two and four and a three game losing streak is sort of uncharted territory, but it's obviously different. It's obviously different with the quarterback situation and it's just, it's just been bad mm-hmm. lately, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to rule it out. I, I'm, I like, see, I like to react to what's happening in front of me without making these like sweeping long-term judgments. One thing that we love to do for whatever reason as, as fans and media here in New England is that like something bad happens. Oh, they're screwed. It's all over. They're not going to win this year. They suck. And, you know, they, they, they win or they get a moral victory and it's, oh, okay, Super Bowl back on. It's like I just feel like it's so overreactionary. I know that's, you know, a boring, boring thing to say. I don't know. you got to have a reaction. you got to have a take. But it's like – we could say that they're bad right now and they're playing poorly right now without totally writing off the season. But yeah. I get that if I get it, they lose to Buffalo, then they're the two and five is going to be tough to come back from, but it's not yeah. over yet. They win in Buffalo, then they probably beat the jets and they're four and four and let's see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, to your point, everything is, that's how it is now. Everything's either the worst or the, or the greatest. There's no in between. Um, and that part is frustrating. There's, we, I, I have a story coming out later today that kind of touches on that um, with the Boston Bruins. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's, it's just not reality, right? Some things can be just in the middle. And right now the Patriots may be in the middle. And how do they work their way up, upward, or do they fall downward? I think that's, that's something worth watching these next two weeks here. And, and we're going to get our answer one way or the other. We're going to get our answer. They're going to be four and four. They're going to be three and five. And we're going to have these same concerns, these same questions. But yeah, to your point, I can't worry about what's going to happen at the end of week 17, 18, or 19, whatever happens with this COVID thing. Uh, I just need to worry. You need to worry about Sunday against the Bills. And I think that they could win, given the way Buffalo's been trying to piss away games, but it's going to take the best effort they've had all season. Probably better than the Seattle effort, I would say. I hope so. All I ask of fans is that you keep watching, stay engaged, keep following your football team. Don't turn your back over a few uh, bad games or even just like what could be one bad season. I just like 
don't be a spoiled brat. We've been very spoiled over the last 20 years. Now we're a little closer to the reality of, of most cities and teams in sports. Just, 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 just strap it. Just, just watch the games and you give your take and reaction. You could, you could be mad. You, you could be mad. Just please don't act like a spoiled baby. Everyone's going everyone, to look bad for us. Everyone's looking at us like, huh, you can't handle a few losses like after all that winning you had? Like you're, you're just going to completely throw a tantrum over a, few, over a couple bad games? You can't do it. Can't, can't let it happen. Uh, I go back to when Tom Brady the, left uh, back in March. I was like, oh, I, I can't believe he's gone. Oh, he's leaving. I can't believe it's over. Get it together. Never. Be an adult. Never. It's fine. Life goes on. Not a lot of bad stuff has happened since then <laughs> across the country. And <laughs> Yeah, I was ahead of the – I was saying, no, he can't leave because he's a sorcerer and it's going to open up a portal to hell. And look what happened. Portal to hell has been opened. It's been opened, and it's yeah. all his fault. Tampa's winning in every sport. It is, isn't um, that crazy how he has that aura? He just goes to Tampa, and the whole city starts winning championships. I'm so happy the Rays lost because of that. You have no idea. That was like that like brought me the most joy. Besides the fact that well, I'm glad that the analytics nerds got got it shoved. Yeah, up I, I I hate the way the Rays play. I hate it. It's 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 not a fun brand of baseball to watch. I hate openers. I I I despise pulling pitchers in the fourth inning. It, it's just it's a it's a painful way to watch the game. And their success would have been copycatted throughout the league, and still might be. And that would be the worst thing for baseball. Uh, in 2021 and moving it's forward terrible. it's terrible baseball may not even survive they're apparently they're billions of dollars in debt so that's a lot of fun to, to, to notice they're billions Somehow of dollars in debt people... and their their commissioner is having a stroke live on tv i don't know if you heard rob man from Dude, that he did not sound good that was like tim robinson that was like a tim robinson i think you should leave sketch the way he was talking yeah. we're gonna find the man who did this in his hot dog office yeah i mean that was uh that was odd, and it hit the point where I was like, "Dude, is he okay?" I hope and, it was. I hope, then, I, hope, I hope he was just like hammered. You know, that, I, and, that's and all it was. Said that. Yeah, and everyone said that. That uh, the slurring oh, of the speech is what it sounded he's like. Fine. So it's like, all right, well then he's just drunk. Then whatever. It's the last game of the season. The last game of his, maybe the last day of him on the job. Honestly, so he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a few Chardonnays. What of it? You know. So why not? I'm just, I'm just glad the nerds got one handed to them last night. It's just. I'm so sick. Like, I think the Dodgers definitely use some analytics in the way they evaluate and build their team. Of course. Of course. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they just prove that what you need at the end of the day is talent. You don't need, you don't need a bunch of math problems mm-hmm. and like guys just going off, reading off the stat sheet to figure out what the hell to do. And you need to have a feel for the game and you need to have talent that's going to play well and come up big in big situations. And guess who was coming up big in a big situation last night? Blake Snell. And who yeah. got in the way? Uh, the computers. So screw you guys. I'm so I'm just sick of the smug, sanctimonious attitude like a lot of these analytics guys have. It's like you can't go out. You can't go out there and say like you know analytics isn't perfect. Just, there's got to be some kind of human element involved at some point. You can't just like do everything based off analytics. And then they just the response is like you're dumb. Yeah, yeah, well, you're an idiot. It's like yeah, you lost. So I mean, all right, you can be. Fine, you can be the smart uh, the stack guy who loses in the end. That's like I just I'm just so sick of the attitude with the the analytics people. Hockey too. It's like I get it. Some of it makes sense and it's good to use and it's a good tool and it tells you it, it tells you like a deeper story than than just looking at like 
flawed stats like like a plus minus or something like that. And I'm not saying like baseball you should just go by batting average. Like you, you can use analytics. Like I don't I don't think WAR is totally useless, but like it's I'm sick of it being the end all be all. And I'm glad it I'm glad it took a hit last night. I hope teams watched that and realized, you know, sometimes just sometimes just leave in the guy that's pitching well you don't have to be like well you know the the, the numbers say you just put the numbers away once in your life and maybe was, maybe they would have come out on top maybe they would have won that game one to nothing if they left Blake Snell in the whole time yeah he was one of the uh he was one of the like I, I read the stat and I gotta verify it. I'm probably gonna butcher it right now but he was like the first pitcher to have nine strikeouts through four innings in the elimination game or a world series game or whatever since Sandy Koufax. And he was you dominating. Him, you pull him. It's like, what, what are you, what are you doing? And, and yeah, to your point. I'm going to face the lineup for a third time. Oh boy. Yeah. You, you got, you got lost anyway. So and what you immediately need, what you coughed up do. the lead. Yeah. And, and, and the truth is, is to your point, it's somewhere in the middle, right? It's somewhere where you use the data that you have, but you also have a human feel for the game. And, and you make calls based on that. And, and I think Roberts sort of embodies that, you know, I think Dave Roberts, you know, he has his notebook, he has his, he has his charts on the wall of the, 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 the hot zones and where guys should be. Right. He's an actual baseball lifer. He's not, he's yes. not like this, one of these Yale guys like high and bloom, you know, just like, just like those stats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, know, like Billy Bean. Meanwhile, he's like the godfather of the, you know, modern uh, saber metrics and these, considered one of the most genius stack guys ever the guys never won a damn thing yes and yeah. while the red sox have won four world series i know they haven't been the best run organization overall but they've won four world series based on having the sell, high sell end the talent. team john sell the team based john. on having high-end talent and uh, coming up big in october i feel like analytics didn't have a, a ton to do with their their world series wins to be honest yeah, yeah. i'm not yeah i mean I put out a I put a hot take out there on Twitter today, and I'm I'm surprised I didn't get ratioed as hard as I was expecting. Oh, what'd you say? I don't think the book's closed on the Mookie Betts thing. Everyone's like, everyone's dancing on the Red Sox grave last night because Mookie has won a World Series with the Dodgers. It's like, yeah, sure. One one for for this one year, huge win for Mookie. The Red Sox were terrible, terrible, terrible year for the Red Sox. And I'm not saying the trade was good either. I think it was, it was probably going to turn out to be a bad trade for them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that signing into that contract was, would necessarily would have been a good idea. If the Red Sox, if he had ultimately decided to stay here, I would have been like, oh, great. Well, we're, we're going to keep Mookie Betts through his prime. But I don't know what's going to happen when, he, when he's 30, 31 years old. Like, he's not a guy. He's 5'9", 180. He's not a guy who physically is built to, to withstand this high-end performance, you know, well into his 30s. I look at, I look at uh, Andrew McCutcheon is the example that I, that I like to point to all the time. He was, he was arguably the best player, best all-around player in baseball in his prime. He was, he was one of the best players in baseball. He's a great hitter, great defensive player, and, and he deserved to get paid and all that. But he hit 30, and he, he basically fell off a cliff, and he's been – He's been like a, a stiff for several years now. And I'm not ruling out that that's going to happen with Mookie Betts. I'm sorry. I'm just not, not going to do that. And like, say five years from now, the Dodgers haven't won another World Series. Mookie Betts is making $35 million to bat 250 with, with like, you know, 20 home runs and 60 RBI. 
and he's he's not he's not uh, delivering the the best war in baseball like he usually does. And meanwhile, the Red Sox have bought their way back into contention, and now they're playing for a World Series. And what if they win a World Series in the next five years and the Dodgers don't? Are the Red Sox still stupid? Well, I I think. And watching this World Series, watching I get it. You don't want to trade a superstar. You don't want. No, no. I didn't didn't want them to trade him necessarily. The problem for me will always be the return because the return, they didn't get a single one of these LA pitchers, who are pretty damn good. It it turns out that even even great. I mean, even Grayrall, I would have I would have taken him in that deal with a reverse course since they didn't want him. And you look at the guys that the Red Sox put out this year, and you're like. Ugh, any any single guy you could have gotten from the Dodgers to help pitching either rotation-wise or in the bullpen, they should have done that, and they didn't. That's where the trade is a failure for me because organizationally, I don't think the Red Sox have much pitching. Uh, they have Jay Groom, uh, who they took with the first-round pick. He's, he's kicking around. I think they have another pitcher as well. The name escaped me right now. Um, but, but that's the need. I think that's – if you're going to say we're going to trade this guy who's a lock for 30, 30 home runs and he's a five-tool player – you need to refocus what you're going to be, and that's pitching. And they didn't get a single pitcher in that deal. That's so frustrating to me. That is crazy. They didn't crazy. get any of those guys. It is crazy. They couldn't get anybody, anybody who pitched worth a lick. And they haven't – meanwhile, the, the Clay Buckholtz is the last homegrown pitcher that they've brought up through the system and been even, like, remotely good, which is it's just crazy to think about. I don't know what the hell happened to the whole uh, evaluation department. And this is a team that uses analytics as much as any team in the league. So, I mean, how's that working out for you so far? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that, so that's where that, that's where that, that bothers me, you know, seeing all these bums that they brought in this year to pitch and, and legit double a arms, honestly, like just not major league quality pitching. Uh, it was, it was embarrassing. And so the fact you didn't get any of those guys, you got, you got Verdugo, who I think is good, honestly. Going to take another quick break here, 15 seconds, and we're right back. Be honest. Wouldn't you like to play more golf this year? As the State Golf Association for Massachusetts, Mass Golf is ready to help, and they want you to become a member. By joining, you'll automatically get a handicap index from the USGA, access to play exclusive private clubs through Mass Golf events, and a bundle of additional benefits. Best of all, it costs just $55 to join. Visit MassGolf.org and make today a golf day. Verdugo's going to be a really good player, I think. He's yeah. not He's not going to be a superstar, but he's got a chance to be like a – he's got a chance to be like a piece – a legit piece of a championship type of team. I think he's that – he's like a competitor. Yeah. He feels oh, like a ball – like a real baller. You know, it's a cliche, but like he feels like a guy that, you know, would be a good piece of a championship team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to – Got to get the high end talent around him now, but um, yeah, and you had. Yeah, I don't know. I just Connor don't Wong, think Jeter Downs, I, whatever. <laughs> I just think it's a mistake to act like the it's all it's all over now. Now the the if maybe like if the Dodgers win the next three World Series in a row, then it'll look really 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 bad, and then you could say that I was wrong. But I don't know. The Dodgers were the lovable losers up until last night. Like I, we're just we're just gonna assume that now they're gonna win four World Series in a row. And we're going to assume that Mookie Betts is going to be a superstar well into his 30s over the course of that contract. I just don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I want to, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not going to assume that. And I know the Red Sox, the Red Sox are, are a bipolar organization. Their last one year, they're winning the World Series the next year. But I don't see why the, they couldn't be back in contention in a couple of years. They, 
you never know. They'll they'll probably they'll probably buy a free agent at some, somewhere or, or trade for someone and then give him a, a deal. They'll they'll make some moves. I think this is this they had to take this one year, this one year battering ram straight to the face uh, to sort of reset. But um, you know, even Tom Warner, who I don't I don't love as an exec, but Tom Warner says we'll be back, and ter- meaning we're going to be back spending. And we just needed to reset. We need to get rid of David Price's contract, and it sucks that they had to get rid of Mookie for that. But I'm just not, I'm just not going to assume that that the Dodgers are now going to, you know, shove it up the, the, the Mookie's going to shove it to the to the Red Sox for the whole rest of his career. Like I feel like in five years we could be saying, well, Mookie's really dropped off, and you know the Red Sox are are back in it. I just want to see what happens. Yeah, what what I would say is this though is that every time the Red Sox decide they don't want to spend money on somebody, they give it about two years and they go out and spend it on someone who's not as good. And yeah, they have no long term vision. Their they long term vision is just outrageously bad. Yeah, so. and with Tom Warner saying that that deal might not age well, good for Tom Warner. This is the same guy who brought Roseanne back. So I really don't want to hear his thoughts on. We what's need to age. start waiting a more exciting way. All right, we'll sign Carl Crawford. Yay! Good contract, sir. Go I on. just I don't I don't want to hear what this guy has to say about aging well. Honestly, this, this guy's best idea was to bring Roseanne Barr back to the tel- network television. He so. uh, produced the Cosby Show. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If I trust him. I'm not uh, sure I, he's the best judge of character. No, <laughs> no, but but I I, I do think though that. If you're the Red Sox, you're you're one of the five teams that that could sign Mookie Betts that kind of contract, and you didn't. So you got to live with that, and you got to hope that the guys you got turn out to be good players. I think you didn't get enough on the return. I think you you dilly dallied on the return for a long time, um, and that part of it's frustrating. It was it was a miscalculation in my opinion, and we'll see if they're right or not. But I'll tell you what, I loved. I loved the fact that Mookie just shoved up their ass in year one. I love that because I don't like. Oh, yeah. this I'm not I don't a, like this ownership group. I don't. I'm like not trying to be anti Mookie. I I love that Mookie played well in the World Series and got a ring. I'm glad that. It I happened. think they should sell the team. I I firmly believe that. So anytime this ownership has a chance to get thrown in the mud, I'm happy because I don't think they identify with Boston. I don't think that they uh, identify with the fan base. I think that they they look at the fan base as a cash cow. They don't. And and I mean, hey, I guess all owners do, but this group is especially bad, in my opinion. I think I think they're yeah. just they're a terrible ownership group. They talk about the financial flexibility, and then what do they do? They lay off ten percent of their full time employees this year. So it's like, all right, well, the financial flexibility didn't prevent these you know poor people making sixty thousand dollars a year from losing their jobs because John Henry you know needs to buy another another eighty million dollar yacht. They're they're a detestable organization. It's impossible to root for them. So anytime they lose, I'm happy. Well, that being said, I want them to be good again. No, I want to be. They were my first love in sports. I want. Last I place want them forever. to be. No, I know you hate baseball, <laughs> but um, I, based on what I've heard and what's been reported, I mean, like Mookie just didn't want to stay in Boston. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you have an idea why that might be? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's one of the names on my checks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it, it's. <laughs> No, it, it's let, let's be real. This is a this is a tough media landscape, right? Um, not for everybody. I think that LA is sort of you talked about this yesterday. It's kind of the best of both worlds. We have an elite sports team in a media market that's going to be pretty chill, I think, for the most part. So maybe he wasn't built to to play here. I think that 
you know, the noise here can be a problem for guys. I know it's been a problem for guys. Um, right. This is where, like, I think, I think we, just as a collective media, not anyone in particular, there's a lot of people in the media out there that, that make a lot of noise. But I think the media and, and a lot of fans on social media, the fans that sort of repeat the, what they hear in the media, or they're just assholes, I think it does affect players. And, I mean, blame the players all you want. But, like, do you, would you want to deal with a bunch of loudmouth a-holes screaming at you on Twitter all day? And would right. you want to deal – and, I, and yeah, turn it off to just get off Twitter. But then you – but and it's not like they're listening to us and they're listening to the radio and they're watching the TV shows and just listening to what is being said. But they have friends and family who are. And they're going to relay what's being said about them. And, like, do, would you want to deal with that all the time? Like, I, I, it, gets, no. it gets to these guys. The word gets to them. It takes a certain kind of player to survive the intensity of a market like this, just, just from the, col- the whole collective experience. And it, I think social media has made it worse. And it's just like a guy like David Price was never going to survive here. And, I mean, you can, you can blame him if you want, but, like, it, it just takes a certain kind of guy. I feel like Chris Sale, not a perfect example because he hasn't played well in the postseason. But that's a guy who doesn't seem to care what anyone thinks, and he doesn't, and he doesn't use social media or anything like that. And he he has played well a lot. The question, I think, it's more of a physical thing with him. Like I don't know if that physically he can last a full season all the way into October playing at a high level. But like attitude wise, like I, you need guys like that to 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 play well and win here, which is yeah. tough. It's tough, but I mean, it's the reality. Like guys are. A lot of younger athletes, these this generation, they're, they're sensitive to what's being said about them. They're sensitive to what's being said on social media. And why deal with that, plus the cold weather and the ugly people, when you could go out to L.A. where the people are all beautiful, the weather is perfect, and the fans and media don't really care if you lose. Mm-hmm. And they'll celebrate if you win, but they won't, they won't rip you if, you, if you if you have a bad game. And you don't have to sit in uh, – well, L.A. is not, not true. I was going to say you don't have to sit in an hour of traffic to go 10 miles, but that's L.A. So Yeah. I uh, mean, guys aren't exactly lining up to play in New York either or Philadelphia. I, it might just be like a Northeast thing. The weather's mm-hmm. bad. Everybody's an a-hole. And you got to deal with all this intensity. The, the fans will boo you if you don't play well. And it's like, fine, we're passionate. You can excuse that away as we're passionate. But at the end of the day, like, you're not just going to – we're not exactly helping ourselves attract a, a star player to, to like want to play here. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, and I just think that, that, you know, all, to your point, you talked about this. I know that players have friends and family who screenshot every snarky tweet that's said about them and they send it to the player after, after a game that they'll say, yeah. Hey, see what so-and-so is saying about you. And yeah, it's, like, it's, like, that, it's that, not that, accurate that, to say like, Oh, he's not listening. Them. He's not listening to the sports hub. What do you think? He's listening to the sports hub? It's no, but people are, and he's going to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it, I'm it, not it, saying it, you got to be nice. I'm just saying it's the reality. Yeah, it, for me. A it's, guy it's, like it's, Kevin Durant would never survive here. No, he wouldn't. That would be a disaster. His, Amazing his player. would be outed in, in five minutes. Amazing player, but he would just, he'd be a disaster with the way he would handle everything being said about him. No, I would agree with that. Um, but then you have guys like, like I, I, I do wonder about like certain guys. But then there are other guys that I, I think, like if we're sticking with basketball, 
part of me wonders about Jason Tatum if he can if he wants to be a part of that. I'm worried part about of me, Tatum too. The only the other part of me looks at J- Jalen Brown and says he's built for this. He can handle this. I think Jalen Brown can handle it. Yeah. But uh, but I do wonder. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult and and. I just, I mean, I'm not going to say, hey, we should be softer or, hey, the fans shouldn't be vocal. Like, no, they're, everyone's allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do. But I, I do think that when you stop being so damn surprised, if, if players decide, no, I don't want to be a part of that. I mean, think about, and this is such a, a, a minuscule example compared to someone like, like Mookie Betts, but think about Jimmy Hayes, right? The guy grows up in Boston, loves the Bruins, loves the city. He comes here doesn't work out and now everyone in his own hometown makes fun of him you know what i mean like that's that's yeah. a tough that's a tough thing to to do i mean can you imagine being a superstar though and coming right. here and you don't pan out now one of the greatest sports cities in america thinks you're a, a bum and they're going to tell you that for the rest of your life imagine that jack sucks. imagine jack eichel has been playing here his whole career and they hadn't won a cup yet he would be right. here if right you know I mean, yeah, and that, that part of it is just – I think that's, that's a tougher mental aspect, mental grind that people understand. Um, you know, like I you think, have to have a mentality of a guy like David Ortiz who just didn't care what anyone said, and, he, and if anything, he would just push back and then show up on the field and shove, shove the bat up to Keister on, uh, on game day. And, like, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's – I feel like that's sort of <laughs> – there's not many guys like that anymore. Yeah. No, Which is why true. now we're starting to see uh, – like, this is, I mean, this is uh, sort of a conspiracy theory, I guess, but th- that's sort of why we're starting to see cities like L.A. and now Tampa and, like, the softer markets like that are starting to win because there's nothing really to worry about. They can just go to work. At the end of the day, these guys are professionals. And and I don't I'm, – I'm not going to, like, fault a guy for not wanting to just be totally motivated to nothing but winning. You know, it's like Tom Brady was obviously a different cat. He didn't care. I mean, like he sort of, I guess he sort of cared what people were saying about him, like what Alex Reamer said about his daughter in the last yeah. couple of years here. But he didn't care about anything but winning football games. And so, I mean, I guess you're going to target a guy like that. But to get a guy who has that attitude and he's a superstar talent, that's the rarest of the rare. Someone like Tom Brady or David Ortiz or even Pedro Martinez is just the rarest of the rare. Kevin Garnett. I think that's what you need. I think yeah. we have to, yeah, Kevin Garnett. I think we have to hope that Jalen Brown sort of turns into the, their version of, you know, Giannis or Kawhi Leonard or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, just that that caliber of talent. Because I'm I'm starting to get worried that Jason Tatum's not going to want to deal with this. Yeah, like, guys like Kyrie Irving are getting right. in his ear. Yeah, Al Horford couldn't deal with it. He's got guys saying out talking about how average he is all the time, and his, his sister's probably telling him everything that everybody says about him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, F this. Dude went to Philadelphia over, <laughs> over oh, Boston, which I imagine the fans aren't any nicer out there. No, especially the the Sixers fans. Oh, my God. They're miserable. Yeah. They're, they're very angry and understandably so. And I get that uh, most of the Celtics media isn't that, like, hard on the team. But social media is an absolute cesspool for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you've heard some of the horror stories from some of the players um, involved. I know Marcus Smart had that story recently where he talked about how someone called him the n-word and you know he said that person didn't look at me as a person it looked at me like i was you know entertain like i was just enter- there to entertain them yeah um and that that's not to say the whole fan base like that obviously of course not but it's just like it's a it's a rough experience being a pro athlete in general now you add a rabid fan base into it and some guys are going to say i don't want to do that maybe mookie's that guy but 
I do think his comments the other day are kind of telling there where he said he wanted, he thought he was going to be a Red Sox for life. Um, that did, obviously didn't pan out, but, but you wonder what happened along the way to, to, to make that the case, right? Was it just the money or was it just the, you know, being there for a few years and going, Oh my God, this, I don't think I want to be here for 20 years. You know, that that's, it's, you, you truly wonder what, what his reasoning was. I mean, he's going to keep it to himself, I would imagine. Um, but, but it is worth wondering that if the climate here was a little bit too tough for him and, if that's the case, then, then yeah, you probably don't want to give him $400 million to stay here. Yeah. I think it's just, I feel like we all, myself included, I don't, I don't want, to, want to act like I'm calling anyone out and I'm better than anyone. But, like, I just feel like we need to understand that what we say can have an effect on these guys. And you might just have to accept that if you're not going to, I'm not saying you need to be nicer or you need to change, but you have to accept that these guys aren't going to change. And they're, and if you, if, you got you have to take a certain kind of guy here or else like we're not going to be able to we're not going to be bringing in premium talents it has to be a premium talent who can also handle this whole grind and i feel like those guys are sort of becoming more and more not extinct but they're just becoming there's less and less of those guys as time goes along i think that's why we're starting to see these these other markets you know bring in all the stars i mean the lakers have obviously always been that way Mm-hmm. but like you know the Miami dumb, the dumbest take I saw out of out of all of this though last night was definitely uh somebody I think they were a Lakers fan so whatever uh but they tweeted it was like the handshake you know it's a two handshaking uh meme where it said the Red Sox and the Celtics and it said not doing everything you can to acquire generational talent and I think they were talking about Anthony Davis and it's like yeah they were gonna trade Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis yeah, that's a smart move, you idiot. Like, that's, like that, that's such a weird way to frame that argument. You know, the Mookie Betts trade and the Anthony Davis trade are so different in, in context that it's just like it, – it, it's, it's funny to, to, to see how the argument's going to be uh, reframed over the years. I can't wait for that part of it. And, again, look in the mirror. It's like you don't yeah. realize you're being an annoying a-hole when, with that kind of a comment. It's like – Yeah. And there's probably so, so many of us that are like that in Boston. I'm not, I haven't been immune to that myself. I've probably right. said some things that the players haven't liked but yeah I mean it is it is what it is you gotta you gotta be a certain kind of guy and unfortunately I think uh that's sort of going by the wayside and guys are more interested in uh you know I'll get paid and the fans won't be complete dicks to me all the time the media won't rip me all the time and I'll win a world series so that's basically what Mookie Best just said mm-hmm. and you know, I don't think the whole book is closed long term on how he's going to do out there and how the Red Sox are going to do moving forward. But I think it's I think it's fair to look at, at at the whole Boston experience and wonder if everyone sort of has their own small little part in uh, making it tough on guys to live here or to play here. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I can see that, and I just think it's a cop out. I just think it's a sorry. I just think it's a cop out to say like oh no 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 it's not it's not because of us you know it's not because of the media or the fans no. like i feel like that's absolutely they, a factor they listen they read they watch they do it all i'll, I'll never forget uh, i was on the nhl network and the first thing i did when i got off the air is bruce cassie walked by me and goes hey i just watched that good spot and i was like oh god you're what it was like an hour before a playoff game. Uh, like, you know, you're watching <laughs> uh so you know that that's that it's a real thing it they they pay attention so if, if any young writers or podcasters or whatever are listening right now, uh, keep in mind, they're always there. People are always seeing what you're saying. So be prepared to have to answer for it. If you say something, uh, you know, 
negative about a, about a star player. Some guys aren't afraid to go up to you and say, hey, why the hell did you say that? Exactly. Like I, Brad Marchand is another guy where I'd say is a different kind of person where he can, he can handle all the stuff being said and he'll, he'll snap back at times too. But oh, then yeah. he, he went out there and he was probably their best player in the playoffs, at least in that Tampa series. So. Yeah. He answered, he answered for a lot of the, the talk that he's had over the years or the criticisms that he's had of, of, of people. Um, I thought, I thought he was their best player in the playoffs. Yeah. He, he knows how to do it. He knows, he knows, I think, I think almost, I think him and Chris Sale are kind of similar in the sense that sometimes I think they get themselves too jacked up for a moment. Um, and that can sometimes be a problem as well, but, but overall, yeah, he's, he's mastered the art of, of playing in Boston, in my opinion. Yeah. And so like, I feel like those guys are sort of few and far between. We have to hope that Jason Tatum is one of those guys. Doesn't feel great right now. And I was joking before, like, yeah, he just, he just walks out the door. They just, he just never win anything. He just leaves. He just goes to LA. It's like, oh, that'll be that'll be an easy one to swallow when that happens. Uh, I really, I really hope it doesn't happen. Have we tried having better weather? Uh, I'd love that. Can we I'd start getting that. some of these models and start importing them into Boston, please. That'd be great too. We can try that. Let's try it all. Let let you know what. Let's consider everything here. Uh, you know what? Be nicer. Stop being an a hole. Well, let's not go that far now. Let's let's. All right, let's all right, keep, all right, all right. You can keep, keep being an animal. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> now, now, now. Let's not get too crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm happy. Uh, I, uh, let me say this though. I, I know we're running long here. I'm so happy that, or I'm hopeful. I shouldn't say happy because we live in hell. I'm so hopeful that this is the end of the COVID championship. I really, I really, I'm praying and I'm hoping this is the end of it because, oh my God, these are so lackluster. It's painful. You're and saying well, hopefully no more bubbles after this and no more empty uh, stadiums. Please, no more bubbles. Please, no more empty stadiums. The Dodgers ending a 32-year drought should have been a lot cooler than it was. Uh, the, the lightning finally overcoming the hill, you know, getting over that mountain should have been a bigger thing. Same thing with the Lakers winning with LeBron and AD. It, 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 it hasn't had any energy, any juice. It's just been these really sort of just very just boring, bland ceremonies and post games. There's no energy from the crowds. Yeah, it's not the same without the energy of the fans. Yeah, it's just I'm really hoping this is the end of that. And, and, and I don't want to say that these are not real championships. I'm not going that far but they don't feel like real championships. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's something missing. There's an element missing. And it's been really difficult for me to, to invest my energy and truly care about the results because I just don't feel it. I don't feel like this is the normal sort of playoff and it's not, but, but I really want to get fans back in these buildings. I know it's probably not the safest thing to do right now, but I'm really hoping that come 2021, we're crowning champions in some full buildings. Yeah. But it's like, at the end of the day, if a fan, if you're a fan and you're worried about catching the virus or spreading the virus, you're going to stay home anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, why can't we at least at least partially allow stadiums to let fans back in, people who are willing to take the risk, and they're they're going to you know check your temperature and maybe even get tested or whatever. But I, I like I just don't, I'm starting to get off the off bored with the whole play like you just have to force everyone to stay home we just can't we just can't open these venues at all because i think at the end of the day the, the people that are going to be staying home aren't going to be going anyway 
if you tell fans they're allowed back in, that's not going to be – you're not going to be someone who is afraid of the virus and then all of a sudden, oh, they're letting me back into sports venues? I'll go. Mm-hmm. Like, those people are going to stay home anyway. So why don't we let people who are willing to take the risk uh, go to these games? If you tell them they have to – legally they have to quarantine for three days afterward or have to sign waivers or get tested, get their temperature checked, all that stuff – like, I think we need to start working towards that process because you're completely right. These empty stadiums, it's not the same product. And I feel like interest in sports could wane. And I feel like people's interest in staying inside all the time is going to wane eventually too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and obviously we're seeing it affect the bottom line, right, for these teams where, um, you know, like, again, the, we talked about the MLB losing money. Uh, the NHL is a flat cap. The NBA, I believe, is going with a flat cap as well. Um, and, and football, I mean, football is a, such an economy mover, you know, in all these cities. And, and you know, you're, you're, I'm sure these teams are feeling the, the effects of having, you know, 6,000 people in your 65,000 monstrosity in downtown. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's not working. It's just not working financially. So you're going to have to get some of these, these situations fixed. Um, and there haven't been issues with the, the stadiums that are letting fans in, right? I think there was one person at the season opener in Kansas City who tested positive. But there haven't been like a super – there hasn't been a super spreader event at any of these stadiums. It's just it's, – it's been the, the teams themselves. It hasn't been the fans. Yeah, it, it's it's – I mean, we're opening up a whole new can of worms here. I just, I like, oh yeah, no, no matter what, no matter what, uh, I've already, I've already deemed, uh, I'm, I'm already an idiot and an a hole for even bringing it up. Yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I don't understand the the concept of, uh, you know, you can go to a shopping mall or a casino, but you can't go to, you can't sit down at a bar. You know, you, you like there, there, there's just things that don't make a lot of sense to me. They, they, they won't. I'm not a scientist, so I won't bother to try to understand them. But I, I, I do think that. You know, I would say there's a great likelihood we're going to spend the entire NFL season with an empty Gillette Stadium, based on what's happening right now. And and I don't really, I don't really understand how that can be the case. But again, you can go 15 minutes away. You can go to the the Rentham outlets, and you can be there. As, you know, walk around that open air facility with as many people as as you want. I mean, Black Friday shopping is going to happen. These malls are going to be packed and crowded but you can't be in a stadium. I, I just, I, I don't understand. I just don't understand it. I, I just, and, and I'm not gonna, and so I'm not going to bother to try. Uh, but I just know that I don't want another COVID championship. I really don't. These are not, these are not entertaining as, as a sports fan who likes to capture the, the emotion and the energy of moments. It's been possible. Nope. Let, let fans back in do limited capacity. If you have to take all the precautions, test them, force people to wear masks. Don't let anybody sit next to each other. And uh, if you're vulnerable or if you're afraid, stay home. And those people are going to be doing that anyway. I don't have to tell anyone to do that. And so I feel like that's something that, that should be doable. So hopefully that's the step they take. Hopefully that's the direction we take for uh, next season. Because, yeah, I can't do another whole year of this crap. No, no, we can't. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, I think we can uh, call it that. Good talk. Uh, you know, a lot of good – a lot of good sports talk at a time that's not very good for sports in Boston. But um, I, I choose to be glass half full, so I'm, I'm going to be optimistic that the Red Sox are going to get back into it, the Patriots are going to turn it around, and, uh, I mean, I guess we'll see with the Bruins. But uh, And uh, I hope that they'll eventually let fans back into stadiums and things like that because I don't think we – I don't 
I mean, I don't think you have to stay empty for two whole years. I just think that's a little much. So any closing thoughts, Ty? Uh, no, I have nothing. Have you been watching any movies before we get out of here? Uh, no, no. I've watched the new Borat. Um, it was, it was all right. Yeah, I thought it was just okay. It's just, you can't play that character. It's too popular. You know what I mean? Like, like the ending is, is funny. The ending's good, but. It was a little too serious for my liking. Yeah. It was, it wasn't as silly as the first one. So it's like. mm. The plot was a mess too. Like just, it was just, it was just, it was all over the place. So. It was a little. uh, That's okay. But, but you know, I, the characters that he did play, I thought were pretty funny. Maybe they're promising for the future. So, um, we'll see if, you know, what happens, but he, he, he desperately just needs that new fourth character, that new fourth or fifth character, um, who can yeah. just capture the absurdity of, of the moment. Um, no, no new shows. Uh, the only thing I got to say is, uh, I don't know. I, I, I got no idea. Just, <laughs> just have fun. Well, that's good and know. fun. Yeah. Please have fun. Eat an orange. Yeah. Uh, to try not to get sick and, uh, try to enjoy yourself this Halloween, even though, I think like everything got canceled Halloween wise. I don't know. To have your Zoom Halloween parties, dress up, have some candy, and uh, please don't uh, try to stay off social media as much as possible. Stop yelling at people. Stop being dicks to each other. I know that's too much to ask for uh, most people, but I, that's the message I choose to convey. That's the message I choose to have. So uh, that's it. We're gonna. Have, we're. I wanna. I think I wanna come up with a movie for each of us to watch. Do a movie of the week type of thing. I said that last week. Maybe we'll actually coordinate that and we'll talk about it next week because we both like movies. We both like talking about other stuff. So true. We'll look into that. All right. Well, if you made it this far, thank you. I love you. Please uh, rate and review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Sports Up Sidelines podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Be honest, wouldn't you like to play more golf this year? As the State Golf Association for Massachusetts, Mass Golf is ready to help, and they want you to become a member. By joining, you'll automatically get a handicap index from the USGA, access to play exclusive private clubs through Mass Golf events, and a bundle of additional benefits. Best of all, it costs just $55 to join. Visit massgolf.org and make today a golf day.